Happy New Year to you, or afternoon, or evening, whenever you may be listening. That didn't make a lot of sense, but welcome to Chip Time. It is Friday, December 31st of 2021, New Year's Eve, the end of a great year, a year that will live on in our memories. And today's show, we got a lot coming at you. First of all, we are two weeks from the NCAA indoor track season. Really, it's already kicked off in December, but we're going to be getting into the gauntlet of regular competition. So because it's two weeks away, we're going to go ahead with our women's preview today and then our men's preview next week. So we'll be all set up for the season. Uh, But also, I would say the main heart of today's show is reflecting on the 2021 year. And of course, we did that on a macro landscape with the Chippies. We really dove into the professional and collegiate uh, highlights of the year. But today, it gets a little more personal. It gets a little more pulling on the heartstrings with what what takeaways do we have from 2021 that we've learned from and can apply to 2022. So I was grateful enough to be joined by Michael, who was local in Michigan for the holidays and had our first in-person interview in quite a while. And then we're actually going to close up shop with a training slash race schedule update of my own, and it'll make more sense once we get there why we kept it for the end. So briefly here on the top, we got to talk some women's indoor, and first of all, just wanted to hash out a little bit how I, um, as a distance running fan, how I follow track and field versus cross country. There are some positives as a distance running fan, but there's also some, I don't want to say negatives, but uh, there are some facets to it that you may have a little bit less interest in if you are not a fan of the sprints, jumps, hurdles, and uh, throwing events. So in cross country, it is 100% distance oriented. And it makes it exciting as a distance fan to follow the individuals and the team scoring. But on the track and field side, distance running is only a a wedge of the overall team points. If you have a team that is strong in the sprints, hurdles, jumps, and throws, and weak at distance running, you're going to win team championships. But if you're a team such as Northern Arizona that is very strong at distance running, but you're just okay at middle distance and you don't really recruit for the other parts of it, you really don't have a shot at a team championship in track and field. So what I do as a fan, and I don't know if anyone would agree with me on this or not, I approach the indoor national championship distance medley relay as sort of the team championship in my book as distance teams in the indoor season which team had the complete distance medley relay from 400 up through 1600 so because of that It is uh, something that we won't be talking about team results as much. I'm not going to have any team predictions here, but that is later on in March how I look at the team success of sorts. So where that leaves us today is we're just going to be highlighting five women to keep an eye on. Of course, there are many more, and it was very difficult for me to narrow down this list, but I'm excited. And just seeing these names, seeing these PRs of theirs and performances, it gets me hype for the indoor season. 
So the first thing I need to mention before we crack open our top five here is just the fact that in my opinion, it's it's a hater thing to say, this is going to be a bit of a down year in the women's 800 meters, at least as far as um, our perception of it. And what I mean by that is last year there was a runner named A Thing Mo. You may know her as the chippy recipient for Women's Distance Runner of the Year. She set multiple NCAA records. She won the gold medal in the Olympics in the 800, doing all of this as a freshman last year for Texas A&M. And admittedly, because she was so head and shoulders above the field with her elite talent and ability, we really viewed it as like a thing Mo, comma, and everyone else. And this year, because she is now professional with Nike, we're down to the everyone else. And I don't want to discredit these women. I know it probably sounds like I am, but we need to change our paradigm of expecting runners who can go out there and run like 156, 157, 158 in the women's 800 and shift to the two flat 201, 202 being what most likely will it will take to win the national championship. So because of that and because the 800 is an event that typically someone will specialize in, whereas distance runners could range from the mile all the way up to the 5K or hit that 3K sweet spot, I just in my opinion, the way I'm looking at the landscape here, it is shaping up to be a bit of a down year for the women's 800. But once we get used to not having a gold medalist, and we just start um, evaluating the tactics of the races and recognize how fast that is to run a two flat, something I never did, it is going to be uh, probably reaching back up into my, my rankings. But for now, I could not justify any of the current 800 meter runners hitting my top five. Probably some long distance bias, but here we go. At number five, I have Mercy Chalangat Jr. from Alabama, and I'll start right there real quick with eligibility. Last year did not count eligibility-wise because of the COVID season. Certain teams were not competing in indoor, so just like cross-country in the fall, you were able to come back with whatever eligibility you had last year. So some of these runners, you're going to hear the year of their uh, eligibility. It might throw you off a bit, but that is why. But Mercy had to make the list. She was nominated for the Chippy of Women's Distance Runner of the Year. Uh, she's run 15-17 for 5K, and she was the 2020 Cross Country National Champion. And although I think Cross Country is her strongest suit, of the three seasons uh, going into this year, she's one of the national title favorites for the 5K. And if she can work on that finishing speed a little bit, maybe run a couple miles, um, just a couple mile competitions to work on a shorter event, get that turnover, that could help her on the national stage. Going to number four, I am going with Chrissy Gear from Arkansas, a senior. She was second place last year in the mile at Indoor Nationals to Sage Herta, who is now professional with the On Athletics Club and engaged to Joe Klecker, as we mentioned in the Mustache Award of the Chippies. Chrissy Gear has gone 431 in the mile and also 409 flat in the 1500 meters. So coming in as the favorite with last year's national champion being out of the NCAA, 
I think she's got the credentials to back it up. She's also been a cross-country All-American, so you see that range. She's had success in the outdoor 3K steeplechase, and I think everything is is just going to culminate into um, into a successful season here where she could take the mile national championship. Number three on the list, I am going with Julia Haymack of Stanford. And this is the first one that is a little bit different than the other two because we did not see Julia on the indoor oval last year. Stanford, part of the Pac-12, they had the option in indoor, as did everyone else, to either run cross-country in the winter and and qualify for the delayed national championships there, or to run indoor. And Stanford elected to go all in for cross-country. They had a lot of elite women returning with Julia, with Jessica Lawson, Ella Donahue, um, freshman Zofia Dudek, and they were one of the national title favorites in cross-country. So because of that, we didn't see Julia hit the track until outdoor last year, but she had a heck of a year. 1533 in the 5K. Uh, she was an All-American in cross-country as well and ran a 409 1500 meters, even making it to the Olympic trials final for the United States. The tough thing here with the landscape of indoor is trying to guess which events these women are going to compete in at nationals. It just doesn't work to to run all of them, even if you have this level of range like Haymack. And so I'm honestly just kind of throwing a dart at the dartboard here and guessing, but I am predicting Julia Haymack as the 5K national champion. I think it's like her favorite event given her success in cross country, just listening to to her talk as well. And given that her 1500 PR is 10 seconds faster than Mercy Chilanga, who we mentioned, when it comes down to a finish in the last 200, 400, 600 meters, I think she'll be able to pull away no problem from Chilangot. Down to our last two runners to highlight here at the top of the show. I'm going with Kaylee McCabe of West Virginia. Sophomore eligibility-wise, she was just third at the cross-country national championships. And then a couple weeks ago in Boston, won that elite women's 3,000 meters with an 8.52, which is faster than anyone ran in last year's indoor season. She's just been on an absolute tear over the last, really since we started the podcast. You look at outdoor track last year, she was killing it in the steeplechase, sixth place, all-American finish, goes on this cross-country season, wins Nuttycomb, top three at nationals, and then rips that 8.52 3K. So, There's no evidence to suggest that she's not going to keep up that momentum this indoor season. So I'm very excited to see which event she'll settle on. Certainly we have some evidence to suggest that it could be the 3K, but she's got range for that 5K given the cross-country success. And man, if she was in there with Haymack and Shalangat, a slew of others, you've got Joyce Camelli coming back as the reigning national champ. Um, that would make for one heck of a race. But we have only one woman who could be number one here. It is a very obvious number one. We're going with Courtney Wayman of BYU, another nominee for Women's Distance Runner of the Year in the Chippies. And we've talked about range with a lot of these women. But just looking at Courtney Wayman's mile, 3K, and 5K PRs, it just speaks range. 430 mile, 854 3K, 1515 5K. She's the reigning 3K national champ, 
and anchored the distance medley relay to a national championship over Chrissy Gear in that mile. And if you remember that race, I think the I hope I remember it correctly. I think Gear had the lead. Wayment just ran on her shoulder for about a thousand meters and then just surged and pulled away and took it to the house. So after running that 1515 at Boston a few weeks ago, certainly you could expect her to run the 5K and she could be, in my opinion, the national title favorite at any of those three events. But given that last year, Coach Taylor had her run the 3K and the DMR, and it seemed to make sense time-wise for when those events came up in the meet, uh, I have no reason to believe that she would deviate from that this year. And so she is my selection to win and defend her 3K national title. But I would love to see a race with her and Kaylee McCabe and you know, Caitlin Tui, Taylor Rowe, some other sub nine elite runners, and whew, getting fired up just picturing that race. So, like I said, very difficult to narrow down, but just wanted to give the people a few names to look for in advance of these races that are going to start flowing in mid January. So, I'm getting excited for that, and it's going to be here before we know it. We're also less than a month from the Milrose Games, and certainly we'll be previewing that when we get closer. But for now, like I said at the top of the show, the heart of this episode is to remember and reflect and appreciate what we have experienced, the highs and the lows from this 2021 year of running. This is for the plebs like me who are just getting out the door, running local 5Ks, and just trying to add something else to the tool belt to apply in 2022. So we've teased it for long enough. Let's get to my discussion with Michael. Ladies and gentlemen, it is my honor and pleasure to be joined in person, in person, not over Zoom, with the original friend of the program in the same studio space where we covered our very first interview, uh, joined here by Michael for what we're planning to have is a reflective session, just just kind of looking back on 2021 for what the running year was, what have the highlights been, and what have we learned that we can take into 2022. Um, We want to achieve more and keep working hard, but we also want to make sure we're enjoying what we're doing, staying healthy, and making sure it's a good hobby to continue and, and not be a grind. So when we look at this year, I mean, yours certainly I think was more interesting than mine in the sense that you had a couple college seasons and then you kicked off this post-collegiate journey and you've already taken that in in a few different places so if you had to pick uh start with you know a highlight or two what, what do you think were the peaks of this year um I definitely say like a highlight it was it was one of those like happy and sad just finishing out my collegiate career um because you know it was I was happy to finish it out I was happy to kind of see what the last four years had done for me but then of course sad that it was ending because of course I wouldn't want that to end um but other than that's like the main highlight that I can really think of other than that I think it's been just I've it's been really fun running a lot of the local races out in Oregon that I have. Those have been extremely fun to run and just, I've gotten a little decent variety as well. So I'd say definitely the collegiate career and then just being able to try these new things and do all these local races where I'm the only one that takes it seriously. It's, it's nice sometimes cause I'm like, all right, I think I can win this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think that's where it's at, but 
Yeah. The so I am one hundred percent in the local scene, <laughs> and what I love about it is the community aspect even more than running a season's best or getting a fast time just seeing other people succeed who I know and and know what their training is and maybe it's their first 5k or first 10k I enjoy that even more than like achieving something myself that was not always the case (laughs) you know as a teenager I always loved getting the PRs and whatnot So for me, one of my highlights was a few of my local races this fall. My sister-in-law running her first 5K, that was really sick. Uh, I also enjoyed when she beat my brother in the four-mile race we did. I don't think he expected that. (laughs) But uh, And then our good friend Tom Schaefer, friend of the program, getting his first 5K, really just joining this running community you know, those are a couple as well. And I'd say if I had to pick one more for content purposes, my crim experience, which went so terribly wrong. (laughs) I think that's a good transition to what have we learned? (laughs) That's a great transition. (laughs) What have we learned this year in 2021? That is one that I learned if the weather conditions are poor, And even if they're not, if your training is not where it should be, you don't have to toe the line trying to maximize like 100% of your effort. There are some times when you haven't got the training in and for the enjoyment and in my case, safety of the experience, sometimes you need to dial it back even in a race since we're not in college on scholarship anymore like this is a hobby I would say that is a big takeaway I have yeah and especially you got to be careful with all the weather and stuff like that well humidity specifically you can just look at the cross-country championships for d1 and d2 I mean like an elite runner like Cooper Tier, that weather just tore the poor guy up so it's like yeah, with with these local races, sometimes you are given the privilege of being able to take it a little easier. But like some of these college guys, like they're going for gold, and it can be very dangerous in certain conditions. Absolutely, that I really like sympathized with Cooper in that race because there is a point where you can kind of lose your motor skills, whether it's dehydration, overfueling, underfueling so many different things Mm -hmm. and that's there's always another tool that we can learn to try to prevent something like that from happening and since i'll be running a marathon next year that's one of my big things i want to learn more about is the nutrition aspect the fluids um when i was at northwood i'm curious for your perspective too when we did long runs you would just start, do the entire long run, and finish. And we would even cut down the pace quite a bit in some of those. Professionals now, who now they have these YouTube channels and you can see what they're doing, they'll stop after 45 minutes, an hour, get some fluids in the system, get some calories and sodium in the system, and then they'll get back into the run. And I'm learning like, if the pros are doing that, that's probably something I should be doing too. Probably, yeah. Um, yeah, I think it's also, there was the, the time of we were just some broke college kids that didn't want to buy all these energy gels, these Gatorade, stuff like that. But yeah, that's really how it was, was we just, we'd start and we'd stop just like that. But how we would do it sometimes is, because obviously you had like the lower mileage long run people, so Sometimes you do a loop that'd be enough for the lower mileage. Then you'd stop. Some people use a restroom. You get some water or something like that. But for my people like like Mr. Zane Aldrich, who's doing twenty mile long runs and has nothing, doesn't need anything. I, that's I think the, <laughs> he's a robot. Yeah, that doesn't count. Yep, that stuff is like I don't think I could do that. But yeah, doing like fourteen, fifteen miles and not having any of it. I think like when I started doing the higher mileages like that. I could definitely tell at the end I was I was running on fumes a couple times, but that is a very interesting thing because 
it definitely it should be especially if the pros are doing it like I, I like to imagine they know what they're doing so it's it's something that should really be focused on a little bit more i guess yeah absolutely well in terms of things other things we may have learned this year takeaways from the year things we can apply to next year um, I'll start off with one thing I mentioned on our run today, mm-hmm. which was taking easy days easy. So really from all of high school and through college, when I would do recovery runs or base mileage, I would do it slower than like obviously a workout yeah. or my, my recovery runs were even slower than my base mileage runs. But I still inherently thought the faster my recovery was, the better it was. Because just thinking from it mathematically, like if my base mileage runs are like 640 pace and my recovery runs are 730 pace, well, maybe if I run recovery at 710, maybe my base mileage will get faster and my workouts will get faster and lead to faster races. And you just convince yourself of that without understanding what I've learned this year, which is that recovery means recovery. And everyone has a different um, pace for that, uh, different effort for recovery, but it should be something that your heart rate is low your effort is low. You're just getting some time on feet, getting the junk out of the system. And this has really been the first year that I will run 8 to 8.30 pace and not feel like a failure per se. And I always used to have that stigma. Maybe it was because I was like a walk-on, always trying to prove myself. But this is the year I've realize the fruits of that recovery and it leads to more quality workouts and long runs and everything else and i'm really excited to apply that to a marathon year next year yeah and that's oh i couldn't agree with that more i luckily i i actually learned this after my freshman year of college um because i was the same way of i'm like well, if it's my recovery day and like i feel good enough then why not just make it faster and i, I remember specifically I had one recovery day that was 6.45 pace, (laughs) and, like, I literally, like, coach talked to me afterwards, and he's like, why did you go so fast on your recovery day? Like, there's, I was like, I don't know, I felt good, and he's like, yeah, but, like, your legs aren't actually going to get recovered from that, and then I, because I was doing faster ones, and the next thing you know, I was just blowing up in workouts and everything like that, and then I'm like, what's going on, and then I'm like, maybe I should actually like start taking it easy. And then since then I've run, like I, I love running slow on recovery days, like anywhere from I've run nine minutes or slower. Cause I mean, Kipchoge does it right. So that that's an exact example of, I'm just going to follow his lead. It's worked out for him, but yeah, I was, I was lucky to learn that cause it just got to the point where I'm just like, I feel horrible every day. And it's like, Oh, well, I'm not actually resting my body. <laughs> yeah, and like the recovery days are something I look forward to. Yeah. Like it's this day on the calendar. So like workouts I enjoy because you get the butterflies in your stomach. Yep. You know you're going to be challenging yourself and pushing yourself. And then the recovery days are just kind of uh it's almost like going out for a golf outing. Yep. Like it's just chill. You're just enjoying the weather and scenery. Um, it's fun to do recovery with other people. Yeah. I mean, we were running pretty easy today. And it's it. then there's the benefit of actually being more ready and sharp for those other days. So big, big learning for me. Uh, what's one of your big takeaways for the year? Well, so, yeah, it was it was a weird year for me just because, you know, the big move – getting into that post-collegiate running career pacific time zone yeah the pacific time zone and like just kind of figuring out what like my running would look like um i'd say like the main thing that i learned is get out the door because i i made the mistake a, a few times in the past like six months of 
you know, I, I'd, I'd sign up for a race and I'd be like, all right, like, I'm going to take this seriously. I'm going to get in shape. And I'd actually, I wrote out like a couple like plans, like for like two month plans of like, all right, this eight week schedule, this is what my training block's going to look like. This is what I'm going to do. But then it was more so like when I didn't have motivation and then I was just like, man, like I got to stick to this workout thing and I got to go do seven miles today that I don't even want to do one. And so that kind of negatively affected me because I was just like, I I'd set a pretty ambitious schedule that I'm just, I needed to understand it's okay if I don't do that now. Like I don't need to have that kind of schedule. And so then what I would notice and what I've done a lot in the past probably two months is I, I've had no schedule. I've had every single day. I just go into it and I'm like, how many miles do I feel like doing? Like, I don't, I don't have a schedule, a pace in mind really. And I've just gotten out the door. And I think that's something that I'm definitely going to take into 2022 is just like, I just need to make sure I get out that door and just get some miles in. Cause that's what I've t- been talking about with a lot of different people. Cause they say, Oh, like I haven't ran all week or like I only went out and did two miles. And I'm like, dude, two miles is better than no miles. Like that is great. So that's something that I definitely learned. And I really want to take into 2022 with me. I vibe with that so much. Oftentimes um, I will put on Strava two greater than zero as my caption because I have like a little two mile backyard loop in my neighborhood. And on days when I only have that 15 minutes, I'll just go do that. And to your point, if you stack on that base mileage, you will reap the rewards Mm -hmm. versus, oh, I don't have time for my training block that said 45 minutes, so I'm just going to do nothing. Um, You will will be mentally and physically sharp by staying in it. And I'm, I'm glad that you have already kind of learned that takeaway. I think it took me a little bit longer but you realize that full-time work takes a lot out of you. It really does, yeah. Like, not just time-wise, but it also takes, like, your energy, your effort, your focus. And writing a training plan or just going without the plan like you are right now, um, what I do now when I do write training plans is I just try to give myself a chance if it's a really busy week of work, mm-hmm. like maybe I'm not going to put in a workout or a longer base mileage. I'll have more of those two mile right. evenings, but the consistency is key. Yes. And I lived that out um, last year in 2020 after um, August. That was when Mike and I kind of stopped our Uh, track workout sessions Mm -hmm. and I did this like two mile time trial on the track and after that I was just doing base miles like you just stacking base miles and I was doing about six to eight a day at one point like just base miles like ripping (laughs) mileage and like a friend I ran into a friend at church and he was like hey I'm, I'm doing this like virtual half marathon next week Um, There's going to be volunteers from the church, so you're going to have aid stations and whatnot. And I was like, oh, like, good for you. That's that's really cool. (laughs) And then I was like, I think I'll sign up for that. And he's like, oh, have have you been training, like doing a training block? I was like, not formally, but I've been just getting out the door. And I I went into it and actually PR'd. Oh, really? Just from, like two months of base mileage and it really is a testament to consistency being like one of the most important things yeah and because that's what i found was by setting this ambitious schedule it made me want to run less and it led to me running less because i just like i was worried about i was like trying to hit this and like get all this mileage in and with work and everything i was super tired so i was just like you know what, like today, like I'm just going to focus more on sleep and everything because I was starting to dread it. But then finally, once I just started to get that mentality of just get out the door, I was actually looking forward to it because I was like, I can go out and do however many miles I want. And it's always those days, the days where you go out and you're like, 
eh, like I might just only do like two, maybe three. I always end up doing more because I set that like, I'm just like, eh, like I might do some. And then I finally get out the door and start running and realize I like, I feel really good right now too. And that's something that I've also taken into it is I've been starting my runs off like slower and then getting faster towards the end. Cause I'm starting off slower and I'm like, I still feel pretty good. Like this isn't too bad. And then towards the end, I'm just like, you know what? I can rip a couple miles now. And then you end with getting that confidence and stuff like that too. But yeah, it's that famous saying of like under promise and over deliver. Mm-hmm. Like you have to do that to yourself Yeah. sometimes like set the bar kind of low and then clear it. And you're like, Whoa, I have overachieved what I expected to do. And it's, it's just kind of giving yourself a chance. Um, the one other thing I will mention that I have learned, I mean, I've always known this is a thing, but like I've done a better job of carrying it out is getting adequate sleep. Like I used to, gosh, it was probably when I was in college I told myself that I wouldn't be able to like fall asleep if I went to bed before like 11 o'clock. I don't know why (laughs) I picked that time, but I would always stay up that late. And I noticed just this year, maybe a little bit last year too, times when it would be 9, for sure by 10 o'clock and I would feel kind of out of gas watching something on TV, like barely keeping my eyes open. (laughs) And this has been the year where I've been like, if I'm tired, I need to go to bed. And 11 should not be the norm. Like I should be structuring in a way where I can get that sleep. I'll shout out coach Lori Hennis of NC State. Um, Someone in an interview asked her about nutrition Like, what are the pillars of nutrition for your athletes? And she kind of paused and she was like, before you even start thinking about nutrition, you need to get sleep because it doesn't matter if you don't get sleep, does not matter what nutrition you're taking, what your diet is. You're not going to be able to perform at the highest level if your body is not getting the sleep it needs. And I heard that and I was like, Oh, shoot. I I need to make some changes. So, but it really has come to fruition since I've made it more of a priority. And that's why I'm glad it's one of my takeaways for 2021. And it all ties back into the recovery aspect of it. Like taking your easy day easy and now you're starting to focus more on the sleep. And like that'll just like you'll see it later on, like in just your normal runs, like you just overall feel better and like you'll just even not running you'll just feel a bit better throughout the day more well rested that takes you a long ways too so that's the goal man yeah. yeah i mean that's that's what running really does as a hobby is it can fuel the rest of your life you're more energetic in my case like a little more joyful um just getting to do this and live and breathe this sport and i think you're you're right i didn't even really connect those dots but just working smarter rather than harder is what we need to do and recovery is that overlooked piece in my life that i'm starting to put more attention to so any more big takeaways on your end i got one more um i mean it's kind of just like a a a cheesy generic kind of one but it's just let's hear it have fun That is something because like with the whole schedule thing and I just found myself dreading running like this whole getting out the door has let me have fun with it. And then now this since this winter, I don't really have anything specific planned with any training or anything. I'm like, shoot, maybe I could go do some long trail runs or like we spoke on the run. I might do a snowshoe race. And it's like so that's the whole thing of you just got to have fun with it. Otherwise it's just going to turn into a chore type thing. And I think it's helped. Like you spoke at the beginning about having like the, the local races, having that running community around everybody. there's so nice. Like they're just the nicest people ever. And no matter what you do, if you run fast, you run slow, they're so supportive. And I think that helps you have fun is having that community there as well. And so just, 
being able to go out and have fun with it, try new things with it. Like, I think if you get in the same, like, routine of just doing the same running and everything like that, go do something stupid. <laughs> like, some dumb running thing that, like, you're just like, eh, like, for some people, it's, I'm just going to sign up for a marathon, because why not? I don't think I'm to that point yet, but... Someday. <laughs> maybe someday. <laughs> but it's to the point of, like, just go try something new and experience it and have fun with it. Find ways to spice it up so that way it's not just getting too repetitive and everything. That's something that I really want to take in with me, too, because I see myself getting into that. Because you and I, we've been running like this for so long that it's just, it's very easy to get back into that routine. It's like, you got to throw a little, sprinkle a little something in there every once in a while. So that's something that big that I, I really want to take with me as well. So That is, I would say, the highlight of everything we've talked about <laughs> yeah. here is you need to be enjoying it, whether you're an experienced runner like us who is trying to avoid the grind of it, or I will say there are many people who don't run for their mode of exercise who look at running as not fun, mm -hmm. as anything but fun. Why would I want to do that? And that is where we as like sort of ambassadors of the sport yeah. can have fun with it, encourage other people and build that community. And I, I don't know if I've said it on the podcast, um, but I've said it to some people. I do have like one more big career running goal of sorts, mm -hmm. which is to qualify for the Boston Marathon. Yep. I'm not shooting for the BQ next year. That'd be a little aggressive, yeah. but I do want to get there eventually. But once I get that, I don't really plan to try to stay in like sub three hour marathon shape, like every single year. Yeah. I want to have fun and travel to different states, maybe do like a snowshoe race yeah. in Oregon yep. um, and just do wacky events and just experience this kind of like other phase of my life versus just chasing the elite fitness yeah. all the time. So it's a cool sport in the way that you can do both. You can, if you want to motivate yourself for a time goal, you can do that. Or if you just see a cool race, you can gather some friends together and, and sign up for that. So I will echo what you just said, having fun. It's got to be at the top of the list. Uh, otherwise, what are we doing? Exactly. And shout out to friend of the pod, Tommy Schaefer. He, I feel like he's done a great job with that, of not only joining the running community and really kind of going all in with it, but out there every day. I enjoy seeing the Strava post because he looks like he's having fun with it. So, yeah, it's just seeing stuff like that. And also, that's why Strava is a great thing because I see these other people doing different things, and I'm like, I kind of want to try that. Or, like, they can help give you the motivation. But, yeah, all that stuff has helped a ton. Completely agree. Tom, you're the man. <laughs> we we look up to you. Yep. And I, I completely agree. That's for small reason why I enjoy doing this podcast is like it has brought some runners together from different backgrounds. Some mm -hmm. former collegiate runners, some elite marathoners, some new runners, some who haven't done a 5k yet but they listen to this show and sign up for one yeah um it's just a nice connective tissue and i do think there's so much value in the fact that like we can learn from more of the inexperienced runners of how to enjoy the sport and they can maybe learn from us with some tips and tricks for like training and whatnot exactly. and we can just all enjoy it together so Man, I'm pretty fired up on uh, 2022 here. Yeah, let's get it going. Just based on that, um, since we talked about sleep, I might just be crushing a nap this afternoon <laughs> Perfect. or something. But uh, thanks for, for joining here. Definitely enjoyed our, uh, what was it, like 5.1 mile run today. Yeah, yeah. We did about seven and a half a few days ago. So good base training. Oh, yeah. I had fun. I did too. And we will certainly stay connected. Uh, I have to hear if you do this snowshoe race. I'll, I'll keep you updated on it. And of course, it's nice to finally be in person for one of these. The Zoom meetings, they got the job done, but it's just not the same. So it's always fun to get on chip time. And hopefully the next time we're in person, 
I may be in Oregon true. if it works out Very for true. the world championships. Yep. So yeah. thanks for popping on. All right. Thank you, Scotty. Who's ready to run in 2022 after listening to that? Am I right? Fired up from that convo. Just so important to remember why we're doing what we're doing and like what the most important part of it is, which is to enjoy life, feel good, you know, feel healthy and not make it a grind or like a second job. So uh, definitely a conversation that I needed to hear. And as we transition to the training slash racing schedule update, which I usually do at the beginning, I had to do it here. And let's just get right into it. It's going to make sense in a moment. So when Michael and I were talking, of course, I mentioned my marathon in 2022 and how I want to go for a PR and not overshoot and go for a Boston Marathon qualifier. But um, really, I've been locked in since I've been accepted to run the Chicago Marathon. And the update is that I will no longer be able to attend the 2022 Chicago Marathon. Uh, The reason is very simple. A friend's wedding here in Michigan is on the same day as the marathon. And it is, you know, if you had to rank your friends of sorts, like it's not uh, just an acquaintance or a good friend, it is a best friend. And it's a day I cannot miss. And it would be way too much to try to run that in the morning in Chicago and then come back to Michigan. It's just not going to happen. And because of that, I've been pretty bummed out the last couple days. I'm not going to lie, but not at my friend, just more at the situation. Um, just, Just kind of bummed out that the timing happened in that manner. To put a little bit of salt in the wound, what made it a little extra difficult to deal with is that the Chicago Marathon organization refused to refund me. Um, So I spent $290 on my uh, application. Included in that, I spent $13 on refund insurance. So what I thought I was buying that for was let's say I got shin splints or tendonitis in my knee, just some kind of running injury that I would probably be able to get through a 5k or a 10k, but like no way I'd get through a marathon. I bought that with the understanding that I could get my money back if, if I needed to. And so here we are, um, over nine months out from the event and I reached out to claim on my refund insurance and they basically said that, um, I would either need Uh, court documentation. If I was served jury duty, I would need medical information. If I tested positive for COVID or had another type of sickness, or I would need um, like a note from an educator that I had an exam scheduled on the day of the event that I didn't know about before, but they refuse to acknowledge any other circumstance as um, acceptable to refund your marathon. So I was like, oh, geez, if I legit got like tendonitis, which I know you can get doctor's notes for like physical therapy, but I'm like, man, I don't even know if they would honor that. So the, the salt in the wound was that I cannot attend the event and I am out $290 uh, to which I put towards, you know, running a race that I really wanted to compete in. So we got to start here. We, we are a, a justice-oriented podcast. And so to the Chicago Marathon organization, and uh, I will say the entire city of Chicago, that's a chop.
right now. Nope, yeah. that's a chop, buddy. What, did, what was that? That was weird. Why are you chopping him? It's a chop, man. You say or do anything stupid, and that's a chop. So, since that happened, since I found out about those circumstances, um, I'm, I'm doing a lot better now, but my first two runs since then have been just a base four mile run and then like a steezy five mile run and I'll admit they were both mentally just grinders I've had my my heart looking forward to that race and it's been that that goal I've been chasing after even though it's it's way out there but I'm a human being and I just became frustrated and frankly pretty bummed out about that and so where do we go from here you know it's it's certainly starting to turn around already I just want to thank the running community for your support Um, I know this isn't a big deal in the grand scheme of things but I am a weak human being who gets frustrated about things and I would be uh, disingenuous if I was acting like it it was no big deal to me, um, but I got to shout out a certain individual. So when I did that five-mile steezy run that I mentioned, I went to the local park that I run at pretty often this time of year because they pave the roads and, and salt the roads so that you're able to have decent footing. And there is an older gentleman who I see there a lot. There, there's a, a crew of people who I consider the regulars. Most are usually walking their dogs, but there is an, an older gentleman who I see running, even this time of year, even when it's less than 10 degrees, and he's out there putting in the work. And so I'm on this run. Um, physically, my legs felt fine. Breathing was fine, but um, I was kind of feeling sorry for myself still. It was like two days after I had found out about not being able to run Chicago. And um, he had been way ahead of me. Like he had started before me. So I kind of waved at him when I was just starting my run and he was finishing his. And I get back to where I started and I'm walking to the parking lot after my run finished. And he just walked up to me and started talking to me. And like I said, I was in a pretty negative headspace, but he just walked up and he's like, hey, I see you here all the time. And I just want to let you know, like, you have excellent running form and mechanics and uh, you're really cruising out there. And I was like, oh, man, like, what are you talking about? Like, you're the one who's putting in the work. And like, I would assume you've been putting it in for, for years and years and so we start chatting a bit. Turns out his name is Jeff, and he is 76 years old, and approximately four to five days a week, he's gone out there for five-mile runs at nine-minute pace. And I was like, dude, like, how long have you been running? And he said he ran cross in high school, and then in his, like, mid to late 20s and in his 30s he got back into it and he's pretty much been running ever since and he said his his PR in the 10k was around like 44 minutes which isn't like lighting the world on fire but he just enjoys running as an expression of the form of exercise he likes to do and how it clears your head and and just is a nice um, piece of your life that you can enjoy just the the harmony of the body and the mind. And I was like, Jeff, you got 50 years on me, man, but like I vibe with what you're saying because I will be honest, I've been like kind of bummed out and just hearing you tell me you saw like some potential in me and, and some good running form, that meant a lot to me so it was a great reminder and I wanted to put this after my conversation with Michael because we really stressed 
having fun and staying healthy as the pillars to a successful running career. It's not about the fast times. It's not about the big events. And I've kind of gone on this roller coaster this week where Michael and I had some fun runs and and we recorded that interview three days ago. Hours after that, I found out I wouldn't be able to run Chicago. And then I was kind of lifted back up with this positive talk and, and positive support from the community. So uh, where do we go from here? I'm not going to sign up for another marathon immediately. Um, I'm just going to take some time to just run and not have structure. Just like Michael said, I think it's great advice to get that passion brewing again, to get the coal churning. And I'm not going to lie, it takes a lot of determination and commitment just to sign up for a marathon. And then you got to carry out the training. But to, to sign up and you're really sacrificing a good amount of your summer to get to that level of fitness, um, I don't have that right now after this cancellation. I did. I was ready. We were doing Chicago. We were doing a world marathon major. And I know I'm going to get it back. I'm not trying to be dramatic, but uh, I just don't have the passion right now in this moment to go, okay, let's find another fall marathon that falls on a day that works for me. But knowing myself, we will get that determination back and we'll be back better than ever. So I do have to share something because as I sit here and I am now not running that event and I have been, uh, I've been played by this committee to, uh, to take that fee from me. And I'll also mention in case anyone had this question, um, I am not able to roll forward my entry with this fee to 2023. Um, essentially what they offered me, which was a terrible deal, was I can get a guaranteed placement in 2023 uh, from this quote-unquote lottery, but I would have to pay the entire fee again. And I was like, no, man, like, get out of my face with, with that. Uh, no deal, Mr. Mandel. So the haters won this battle, but they won't win the, the war, okay? And I have spent a lot of time self-reflecting on this, and I just want to share some words from the heart with, with how I feel. And I would like to direct these words to the entire city of Chicago, and, and they are as follows. Me not working hard. Yeah, right. Picture that with a Kodak. Or better yet, go to Times Square, take a picture of me with a Kodak. Took my life from negative to positive. I just want y'all to know that. And tonight, let's enjoy life. Pitbull, Nair, Neo, that's right. So... You know, I didn't spend much time on that, just kind of spitballing here, free-flowing, but that is how my emotions are right now. It is New Year's Eve. It is time to enjoy life, and so I'm just saying, 2022, chip time takeover. The road is not done. We are making waves next year. So let's get after it, people. We're not letting this slow us down. So as we close up for the year, if you want to get in contact with the show, leave me an email, chiptimepod at gmail.com, chiptimepod at gmail.com. And if you want to soothe the soul of a man who has been through so much emotional turmoil the last 72 hours or so or so you can leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or 
a rating now on Spotify. And that is what the, the doctors, the professionals have said is the best medicine is Apple and Spotify ratings and reviews. And if you want to join our Chip Time Strava group, all you need to do is follow me on Strava and I will get you added to the group. So Happy New Year, everybody. Thanks for listening. Keep working hard and we'll see you next time. Thank you.